0: Welcome to Hemp Stocks, where we dive deep into all things hemp and explore all the amazing opportunities and solutions that this plant has to offer. We're going to look beyond just the medicinal healing properties of CBD, because hemp is so much more than just medicine. From farming and manufacturing, carbon capture, clean energy economics, water and soil remediation, there are so many solutions if we start living hemp consciously. See you with me? Calling all cannabonauts. It's time for Hemp Stocks. Welcome, welcome, welcome into Hemp Stocks. Again, my name is Adam Stevens and I'm joined by David Miguel to get things started off. David, I'm really excited to introduce the guest for this week, Melissa Nelson. She is a real mover and a shaker. She's got her company, South Bend Industrial Hemp, and she's going to get into some of the stuff that she's doing out there. But um, yeah, this is a real big time thing out in the Midwest there, David.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think Melissa is really, her story is really amazing and her ability to really connect with what they are doing at Har Farm and their processing, um, her ability to translate that to other farmers and really start to bring them into the fold and help them undersee the the building of the supply chain. She is a real, as you said, mover and shaker with helping us get the U.S. supply chain chain going um where hemp is concerned so i'm really interested to hear uh what she had to say
0: yeah she's really a spotlight uh for other people people come to do tours people from all over the country are coming to do tours to see how they run their operation um you know see what they can take from it and she's you know very giving with that knowledge in that sense you know everyone in the hemp community is and it's cool to look at the similarities and differences between the different farmers with what Ken's doing. You know, she also grows the dual purpose crop where they're growing for the grains and the oils. And uh, again, it just it's another time to echo the health benefits from the grains and the oils from, um, from the hemp crop.
1: Well, and I think that's a really good point, Adam, right? We, you know, we're still young into this podcast and we're learning as we go too. And I think we talked about the need to, you know, really start looking at what kinds of different hemp and what kinds of different processes these farmers are doing. Because, you know, when we say, you know, hemp processing or decortication, um, as we are finding out, um, there's a lot more to it. And as further episodes we go into it, you know breaking down the different kinds of hemp that different farmers are growing because you're right Ken Elliott and Melissa Nelson they grow a dual crop um, but as um, Rick um, Brown talked about last week you know he grows for fabrics and for, um, for long fibers so I, I think that's a totally different kind of hemp and I look forward to, to jumping into to that a little more too as we go.
0: Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I'm excited to have her. So let's get her on here. Coming up right now, Melissa Nelson. All right, welcome back. Again, my name is Adam Stevens. I'm super excited to introduce this week's guest. I got Melissa Nelson here out in Kansas. They're doing some amazing things. They have a family company, South Bend Industrial Hemp, where they're right on the cutting edge of the fiber supply chain. I'm really excited to learn some stuff from you. So, uh, Melissa, uh, welcome to Hemp Stocks. How are you doing today?
2: I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me.
0: Wonderful. Let's start at how you guys first started with hemp. Um, again, it's a, it's a family farm. I think it's your husband's farm and his brother uh, that own it. And, um, and they came to you with the idea of hemp or how did, how did you guys start to, to tr- think about making this transition?
2: Yeah, so the short story of it is, is I'm a crop research scientist. Um, I work with all sorts of different types of crops. I'm in the developmental stages. So before it goes to the EPA, um, different varieties, genetic testing, um, residue, safety levels, all that. And they were fourth generation farmers here in Great Bend, Kansas. And when Kansas opened up the research license program for industrial hemp, they brought it to me and asked if I wanted to be a part of this and together we created South Bend Industrial Hemp. Um, I was pretty hesitant at first. I really didn't see a lot of promise within hemp. What I saw more as me meeting a need for a niche within a niche industry, because the research industry is pretty small. Um, but as I've gotten more and more into the industry, it's a great tool for farmers and diversifying their farm. Uh, it's a great option for our farm and keeping it viable and you know, relevant to today's times and giving giving my husband and my brother-in-law an opportunity to kind of give the farm a fighting chance to carry on to the next generation because farming is so difficult.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so even though CBD was the craze when you guys were making this transition, fiber was always kind of what you planned on doing?
2: Yeah. So in 2019, we grow for CBD as well. Um, We have a small greenhouse, and we have a small CBD line. And the reason that we do that is because we are big on the educational front. Um, Last year, we did over 125 tours. uh, Just I started counting June 1st uh, when we opened our processing facility. Um, So we did 127 tours the second half of the year last year. And when you get people out there and they see the CBD plants and how they're grown, and then we bust them down to the fiber field, it is just a jaw-dropping experience, and then they understand that this is so different and should be treated so differently. Um, So, yeah, 19, we grew 80 acres of dryland hemp along with 1,500 CBD plants. 2020, we rolled around and did 55 acres of irrigated hemp. With 1,500 CBD plants, 2021, we backed that down to 500 CBD plants, but increased fiber production and did 160 acres. And then this year, we're looking to do around 360 acres of fiber and grain, and we'll do about 200 CBD plants.
0: That's tremendous. Yeah, that is definitely tremendous growth, uh, uh, Seeing seeing that fiber skyrocket like that. Uh yeah, I don't know if you know uh too much about this podcast. We're we're kind of brand new and and I'm learning about hemp and all of our listeners are kind of right along with me. So, we got some we got some good basics down here. If we take THC out of it, we're just looking at the hemp clearly, but I see kind of three main markets. Uh you have the oil market that can be uh used for grains and for, you know, human consumption. Then you have the CBD and then you have the fiber. Is that about right? Yeah
2: yeah flower, fiber grain
0: and the oils in the grain can kind of be dual cropped with the fiber but the cbd is grown in a completely separate process right
2: correct different types of plants different types of growing methods just a completely different type of growing system
0: right and the cbd market went crazy in 2019 uh right but now uh, fiber is starting to pick up a lot of momentum you would say is that right
2: I would say the CBD went crazy and crashed in 2019. Um, yes, fiber continues to pick up steam. We've always been very big into fiber. We're large scale commercial farmers, and so we saw that as a viable option uh for large-scale farming and for the type of equipment that we already incorporate on a day-to-day basis with our other commercial commodity crops and so it's nice to see the industry starting to pick up steam uh, in the direction that we were already headed
0: so you're doing a lot of education um it sounds like your people are coming from all over the all over the country to to kind of see how you guys are doing it and then also what you're doing right i kind of want to talk about the stigma a little bit um uh, just kind of around hemp in general. And it is so kind of silly because the legal definition of hemp is that there's less than 0.3% of THC in it. But uh, when I told my dad I was doing this podcast, for example, even though it's got hemp in the name, he just assumed I was talking about THC and he was like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get behind this. And so uh, as far as just the stigma part of it, do you feel like, like that's changing? And do you think that CBD has helped at all? Um, or do you think that once people really hear about fiber, then the stigma will really start to change?
2: I think education is extremely critical. You have to remember, like I'm 31. And hemp or marijuana has never been legal in my lifetime. But think about your grandpa. You know, back when they grew it for World War One, and Hemp for Victory was a huge campaign. Like farmers used to have to grow hemp to meet the war needs. And so in our lifetime, it's always had this negative stigma to it. Um, and then it got grouped in as a class one uh, drug along with marijuana. And so it's really been an uphill battle since then. I think the with the more education and the more benefits that continue to come out the easier it's get getting to be a part of that conversation uh just as an example in our community we have sixteen thousand people we're a a larger rural community in in central kansas um when we first started people laughed at us and then but they watched us you know they they paid attention um We were always very transparent with law enforcement. You know, we asked them, like, please come out anytime. Uh, Our licenses are all in order. If you see someone in our field that is not us, you know, that's a small town community. So that's kind of the perks of that. But it was like, if you see someone in the field that isn't us, feel free to stop because they're probably not supposed to be there. Um, We just were very transparent. Um, We went to the bank, the local bank, and they allowed us to open a bank account for our CBD line you've heard so many cbd stories of accounts getting frozen because of him um we had to jump through a little extra hoops but because we've been banking there for decades they they knew they knew who we were and they were willing to jump through those hoops with us and so we continue to gain great community support and in turn great state support um kansas continues to rally around with what we're trying to build so I am very active on education train because I really think that it makes a difference uh, in educating, like, your dad, you know, what he was doing. And, you know, even as simple as my parents when we were in this several years before they really understood what we were trying to accomplish. But, yes, as it becomes more mainstream, I believe the fiber and as the FDA brings out regulations for the CBD, it is going to be more mainstream and not so stigmatized.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah, good. Um, so before we get into the supply chain, I want to throw another kind of um, uh, idea at you. What you, You're a researcher, so do you look at um, carbon capture at all, or ways that we can um, kind of measure the amount of carbon capture by acre of hemp plant, for example, and um, there's an idea where we could potentially create a carbon market um, where farmers could be paid just for the carbon sequestration.
2: Yeah. So it's bigger than an idea. Actually great Bend co-op was one of the largest payout um, programs in the United States with over $685,000 being paid to farmers for carbon credits. Um, So again, small town communities for very forward thinkers, uh, yes, there are people developing carbon, more carbon markets, uh, tools to capture those carbon credits all the way from seed to a building of Hint Crete, uh, like an insulation wall. So, yes, that is very much coming down the pipeline. And we do work with people that are developing products to kind of bring that to the forefront. Carbon credits are still a pretty controversial topic in this area just because of the potential and the unknown that sits there. but it's. There's more information
0: coming. Yeah, if there could just be a network for people that care about the environment um, and see hemp as a way to capture carbon, but they live in New York City and they have no, no other way to help but to give money by buying these carbon credits that could then go to support the farmer directly. And it just seems like it could be another revenue stream.
2: But that's the problem right now is it's not going to the farmer directly. It's going in through programs. So, you know, for example, the program pays the farmer nine dollars and then they turn around and sell it to Microsoft or, you know, some some global corporation that can't meet their carbon um, guidelines that they're supposed to follow. And the middleman is selling it for 50, 60, 70 dollars a credit. So why is the farmer getting a minuscule percentage of what that carbon is actually worth?
0: Right. Definitely. Okay. Well, sounds like it's, people are working on it and it's getting there, but it's definitely not, not in the way that, um, you know, there's not a direct connection right now between, you know, someone who wants to give d- directly to a farmer. And so, um, hopefully it'll get there though. Right. So, um, so yeah, so let's kind of talk about supply chain. Cause I feel like, um, you, you're right at the forefront. And it is these kind of regionalized areas because of transportation costs, you have to kind of work with farmers in your area. But I spoke with uh, Ken Elliott is an IND hemp uh, up in Montana, and it, he's doing something similar. Uh, right? So you, uh, you work with other farmers that can grow hemp that you can that will then come to you for the processing and decortication? Correct. And then you ha- prep that for sale to your to your customers.
2: Correct. So we run, yeah, we run a fiber track six sixty decorticator from Formation Monte Vista, Colorado. Uh, when we started looking at decorticators, it was to meet a need. We never had a vision of being processors within the industry, but we were growing for fiber, and we had our buyer back out, and we were really at a tipping point where it was either we needed to get out of the industry because no processors were coming online in our area, or we needed to find a solution to our own problem. And so we decided to be that solution and create that processing facility. And the reason we did is because we were experiencing such success with our grow. We had farmers coming to us saying, we would love to grow if we knew a place to take it. And we had manufacturers reaching out to us saying, where are you taking us to get it processed? We'll buy it. We want to buy it. And so it was
0: like, okay, we'll,
2: we'll just put a leap of faith out there, put the down payment on the decorticator, and then we've just been figuring it out as we went.
0: So Yeah. Yeah. So you're preparing for, you know, for this industry to scale, right? And so um, I'm trying to get an idea of kind of where the bottlenecks are with it now, or if it's just a matter of getting demand up um, high enough. And, um, and primarily, this is being made for herd, right, which is then being made for for more kind of building products, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, our fiber can be sold, it's for non, non-textile grade fiber. Because um, textile grade fiber is grown completely different, harvested at a different time, harvested a different way. Like it's just a whole different process. And so we chase the non-woven market as well as herd are two different sizes of herd.
0: So, but do you feel that the demand is there, the demand is increasing,
2: Volume, volume is the problem, not demand. Uh, I mean, for right now, we're 20 weeks out on our next bird order on what a new order coming in. You know, I can't, I can't send out a truckload for 20 weeks because that's how many people we have waiting in line. Um, Fiber, we have less of a demand there, but it's getting there. Um, We're doing a lot of verification samples. So they want 300, 600 pounds at a time. They're running it through their machine, making adjustments, calling us back, and then just kind of. That cycle over and over again um and then our fines which is really great for like spray creek or uh, soil amendments etc um that market continues to grow but it's it's just a slower market to develop than the hemp creek market that's currently out there bioplastics is huge the paper industry is huge um loss control material in the oil fields are huge it, it, right now it's a volume thing.
0: And so do you have um, and, and you have customers in all those industries that you supply to? Yes yeah, that's fabulous. and um, and so how many how many different farmers do you work with in your kind of network of, of farms?
2: How many different types of farmers?
0: Uh, yeah, just, or I mean, uh, is it all in Kansas or how far kind of out and like what, I'm just trying to get an idea of like the, the volume.
2: Yeah. Closest, closer, the better. Um, but we do have front growers in Nebraska. Um, we've had growers in Missouri, Oklahoma, um, cause you know, we're four hours away from Oklahoma city, four hours away from Lincoln. So, you know, you can hit several States with where we're located within the state, um, you know, we've had Colorado growers deliver their bales here. There's just been different. Right now, we're willing to work with farmers, or we're always willing to work with farmers, but for example, we had some growers that were kind of outside of our ideal region, and so since we own a trucking company as well, we use them as a backhaul, so it helps them if they were willing to sit on their bales, we could get loads out their area pick up their bales on the way home which helped with their freight costs she's got to be a little ingenuitive that's that's all you need
0: got it okay yeah that's fabulous so you probably have a lot of relationships with farmers just from your your field science right your crop science
2: I don't work with farmers. I work with the larger companies, well, large and small companies. Um, Farmers are kind of the end product of the work that I do. So the research could be used for marketing, you know, it, my work helps companies decide what their next step should be on their product development side. So farmers aren't really my customer. there. But because of Aaron and Richard and their large ties to this community, you know they've they've grown up here. They're four generations here. Uh, having that in with farmers to be able to even have the conversation is a huge play gut that we have.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, so that's the thing: is more kind of people come online around the country. I see um, hemp farmers all over the country that are are starting to to see this, but it's getting those facilities, you know, online, and all of that's going to take some time. But um, I do see a lot of potential for hemp to replace a lot of our current wood products, and um, that could just be a great um, environmental shift here. So,
2: oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And we continue to grow regionally. Um, We've partnered with Dakota Hemp up in South Dakota. Um, So we'll be working with them to get products out to our manufacturers. Um, We're looking at a third facility and starting those conversations right now. And so we can just continue to expand the footprint of meeting farmers and manufacturers needs.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Well, what's the best way for just the average person to support then? I mean, is there... Um, you know, I guess buying as much hemp product as possible, but hemp herd isn't something that the average consumer would go out and buy, right? you know?
2: Yeah, so I think the best way to, I mean the the best support that you can give is really just liking our posts, sharing our posts, like becoming more knowledgeable about hemp so you can spread good information when these conversations come come about. And so finding, Finding reputable companies to get behind is very, very important. IND Hemp is one of those. Um, you know, I could list off several companies that put out great content. Content. Uh, I love putting out educational content. I'm very much an open book. How we operate on our farm, the equipment that we use, etc. Because farming is hard enough as it is i can tell you the exact recipe for what we do and i'm gonna tell you mother nature will be like no or <laughs> you know she will she will do her thing to make it difficult for you and so that's why we're really in farmers corners and very transparent with what we're doing because there's enough challenges in the industry as it is
0: yeah absolutely Well, Melissa, uh, you've been so great with your time. I'm really, uh, really glad that we were able to to pick your brain about some things and kind of see what's out there. So um, yeah, is there any last things that you want to add there um, for anybody?
2: The Global Hemp Association is an association that I work very, very closely with. Mandy Kerr there puts out a lot of good content, quality content, and she really vets her speakers. And so that is a great resource for anybody out there wanting to learn more about Hemp or carbon capturing or, you know, literally everything from planting to final product. She's got people speaking on that. So that is a great resource. Um, Reach out anytime we do tours. Like I said, all the time, we just get them scheduled. It's just, we love helping move the industry forward and that's always our goal. So You can find us on Facebook, South Bend Industrial Hemp, Instagram, South Bend Hemp. I'm active on LinkedIn, Melissa Nelson, and our website is southbendindustrialhemp.com.
0: That is beautiful. Wonderful. Well, thank you again, Melissa. It's been great. You have a good rest of your day.
2: (laughs) You too. Thank you.
0: Okay, welcome back and I want to give a special thank you thank you so much to Melissa for joining me again I got David here for a little bit of a wrap-up um, so yeah that was great David what did you think there
1: Oh, man, I, you know, the, these folks, they just, their knowledge is so abound. And what I really loved uh, about what Melissa had to say is, you know, the importance of education, you know, like, that was, I wasn't expecting that part, you know, with your dad in there. And I've I've known your dad for a long time. So I definitely catching that part in there. It's it's interesting to see how the host of the show himself, you know, still is fighting the, the cannabis hemp stigma a little bit, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, Melissa is working really hard uh, for that. And, you know, the tours that she has where people are coming, they see the CBD plant, they see how it's grown. And then they they drive out to the hemp farm and they see the industrial hemp and they just see how completely different these two, uh, plant growing types are, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. Right. The, the flowers make us feel good, but it's the fiber and fabrics that feed shelter and clothe us. So, you know, it's a holistic approach, right? That's awesome.
0: (laughs) Totally. Totally. You know, again, Melissa's making it work. There's more processors coming online this year and, uh, and she's doing everything she can out there in the Midwest to get this working. So um, we'll definitely be in touch with her as things go on. But yeah, it was great. So, um, David, any last words?
1: Um, I just want to thank Melissa again, myself, and also let her know that I'm just so impressed with uh, with the supply chain um, and how people like her are are putting this thing together. Um, I just it's real. I'm real tickled to be a fly on the wall of it all. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, that was it for this week. Next week, we have Bruce Michael Dietzen on. He's an amazing guy doing some amazing things. I can't wait for you guys to hear what he has to say. Much love, guys. We'll see you next week.